Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. I am welcoming back Martha McKittrick to the PCOS Diva podcast. I think this is the fourth podcast we've done together. She's one of my favorite guests. Martha is a registered dietitian. She's a certified diabetes educator, well coach, certified health and wellness coach, and she has a private practice in New York City. She has over 25 years experience in the field of nutrition, and Martha specializes in PCOS and she is really one of the pioneers um, in PCOS um, diet and um, nutrition. I've known her for for some time now, and I'm just really glad to have her back to talk about a subject that we really have not delved in deep on the podcast yet, and that is plant-based diets for PCOS. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. Thanks, Amy. I'm really excited to be back. And it's funny because we are doing a total like 360. I think the last podcast I did with you was on ketogenic diets. And then so now we're going way the opposite direction to plant-based diets. So I'm excited to dive into this topic. Yes, we talked about ketogenic diets. I think it was episode 84. Four, I think if I'm correct, um, but we will list it in the show notes. Um, and we also talked about taming inflammation with diet choices on another podcast. And then a podcast that we did on the best diet for PCOS, which sort of brings us to this subject, because when in that podcast about the best diets, we sort of determined that there is no best diet for PCOS and you have to sort of figure out what works best for you. And for some women, that could be a ketogenic type diet. Um, For me, I know I do really well with more of a Mediterranean uh, type anti-inflammatory diet that does include some animal protein. Uh, But I do get a lot of questions from women with PCOS who are uh, vegan or vegetarian and, um, you know, wanting to know if that's a good way to thrive with PCOS. So I thought we'd just sort of examine plant-based diets and the pros and cons um, and how, if you are making that choice, how to make it work best for you. Uh, But I thought maybe we could just start by defining what is a plant-based, I mean, I think of myself as eating a plant-based diet, even though I do 
don't only eat plants. Um, but what's your, your definition of a plant-based diet? Well, yeah, there are, I mean, there are different types, really. I don't think there's like one set plant-based diet. Um, I think also when you hear the word vegetarian and vegan, and then there's whole food plant-based, um, I think the kind of diet that we'll be talking about today is really like more whole food plant-based where you're eating healthy types of carbohydrates because you could be a quote vegetarian and eat just no meat, fish, chicken, dairy, eggs, but do tons of like, you know, white or processed carbohydrates. Um, and some people do that actually. And so that's not really the kind of diet we're talking about. I'm talking more whole food plant-based where the foods are not as processed, um, more whole grains, healthy kinds of oils, uh, just excluding dairy, uh, milk, eggs, meat, fish, chicken, that kind of thing. Hmm. So with you being also a uh, diabetes educator, so you know a lot about balancing blood sugar with diet. Hmm. And I know uh, one concern that I always have, because I was never able to really manage it myself, is having enough protein on a plant-based diet without having too many carbohydrates. Um, you know, in terms like if I eat too many beans, um, if I eat too much uh, like grains, like, like um, quinoa, you know, I kind of start feeling um, tired and fatigued yeah. and I know it's affecting my blood sugar. So I definitely would love for you to address like, what, what do you do about getting enough protein without too many carbs on a plant-based or uh, like non-animal food diet? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. And I think this really brings us back to, there's no one size fits all approach for everybody. Um, many people do not do well on, on plant-based diets just because there is no like hunks of protein. And yes, you definitely can meet your protein needs on a plant-based diet if you spend some kind of time planning it out. And I think we'll get into that, like, you know, should you have soy? Because yes, if you have mm -hmm. tofu or soy, it's pretty easy to meet your, your uh, protein needs on a plant-based diet. But, you know, not everybody wants to do that. It just doesn't work for everybody, but it can work great for some people. Like, here's an example. I had a client contact me with PCOS, and she also had diabetes. And she really had her heart set on being totally plant-based. She really, really wanted to do it. She had, like, heard a lecture on how good it was. And she was trying so, so hard to do it, but her blood sugar just kept going up. And she, and she was eating healthy. She was definitely doing the whole grains and beans and all that. But it just, and she was tired a lot, it just wasn't working for her. Um, and my goal is never to convince somebody, oh, don't be plant-based, don't be vegetarian. Like, I would not do that to her. But I said, why don't we just, as an experiment, maybe just add, add some fish in. Uh, she didn't even want to do chicken, but she did some fish and she actually did some Greek yogurt. And she said she felt like 100 times better and her blood sugar was under much better control. So that proved for her it, it was a, you know, a total plant-based was not a great idea. But, you know, I will say there are some studies out there that, that do show that plant-based diets can actually um, decrease risk of diabetes and, and are actually good for pre-diabetes. I think this, again, comes down to your own personal genetics and maybe your even gut microbiome, like what works for you? Because we know, you know, there's no one size fits all approach. So I think it could be better for some than for others. 
and so you might think, well, how can a diet that's higher in carbohydrate possibly be good for blood sugar balance? Uh, what they think is that because there's so much fiber, if properly done in a plant-based diet, and so many like phytochemicals and antioxidants and magnesium and all these other components that can help um, with insulin resistance and inflammation, that if properly done, it actually can help reduce risk of, uh, of diabetes and can control blood sugar if properly done. But the problem is, I think not everybody does it properly. And then, as I said, I don't think it's right for everybody. But you can meet your protein needs, and we can definitely talk about that. But again, no one size fits all approach. Mm. So, as, as I was sort of prepping for the podcast, you know, I was kind of th- I was thinking back to a guest that I had, Jessica Jessica Moraine, and she wrote a cookbook called One Part Plant, and she had endometriosis and found that eating, um, you know, not a, a a strict, you know, meat-free diet, but incorporating lots more plants into her diet really helped to tame the inflammation um, and the endometriosis. Um, And I think like if we talk about um, how we can incorporate to like more plant-based food in your diet, even if you want to have a little bit a little bit of fish like your client or a little bit of Greek yogurt. Um, I'm wondering if you could give us some tips on like how to add more plant-based food to sort of help with inflammation of PCOS and things like endometriosis, which a lot of women with PCOS suffer from as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, I like to, you know, I don't really promote total plant-based diets for most of my clients, unless they come to me and say, hey, this is what I want. Can you help me? Like my first choice would not be go total plant-based. But I do think, Amy, like you said, we can take home, like a take-home message from this would be to try and get more plant-based foods into your diet. And this is a problem that I do see with a lot of people who have PCOS is that I think we're so brainwashed into thinking you have to be in a low carb diet. And so what do you do? You end up having like tons of protein and maybe a lot of animal um, products, animal foods, and you're not getting in enough plant-based foods. And I think that's probably the number one problem I see with my clients is that you're just not eating enough vegetables. It's like, you know, it's so, so important for so many reasons. So the first thing I might suggest is to keep uh, like a food record or a food journal for a week or two and just get like a baseline, like look at your diet. Like, you know, are you getting in a lot of plant-based foods? Um, there was a really interesting study that came out that showed for people who eat 30 different plant-based foods a week, have a much healthier gut microbiome and better diversity. So, you know, I thought, hey, my diet's pretty good. I, I easily get in 30 different plant foods a week. Like well, kept track and it wasn't. It was only like maybe 20 um, because I think a lot of people might eat the same thing. Like maybe you have chia seeds and fruit in the morning and maybe you love spinach and you love apples. But when you count up the different kinds of plant foods, like a lot of us don't have enough diversity. So uh, the first thing, I, like I said, would keep a journal, get a baseline of where you're at. Just look and see, you know, are you getting in a good amount of vegetables a day? I like to tell people to really use, like I call it the PCOS plate method, where they make half of their plate come from mm-hmm. vegetables. 
Um, it doesn't have to be like actually on a plate, but you could have a soup with vegetables, you could have a salad or just sneak vegetables into everything. And you, know, you can use frozen vegetables as a backup. But to me, vegetables may be the most important food for PCOS just because, you know, again, the fiber, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, which helps with inflammation. It can help with insulin resistance, helps with gut health. If we look at the drivers of PCOS, you know, which we know are insulin resistance, inflammation, gut health and then stress, but, but vegetables really help with three of those for sure. So that might be my first suggestion is find ways to get vegetables into everything, you know, put some greens in your smoothie. Like I know Amy, you're a fan of smoothies. Mm -hmm. uh, are you putting greens in your smoothie? Yeah. I mean, I think of um, smoothies as a way for me to get veggies in like first thing in the morning when they're not that appetizing to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, although if like on a, on a weekend day when I'm up a little bit later and, you know, my stomach has woken up a little bit more, I, I do love having, um, like some greens with like a light balsamic vinaigrette and eggs for some reason. I like like scrambled eggs or, or maybe a frittata, um, and then have some greens, like not a big salad, just like greens with like a light vinaigrette. Some just really tastes yeah. good to me, like as a brunch kind of um, breakfast. But I can't do that at seven a.m. Um, <laughs> right, right. Uh, on like a Tuesday. Right, um, right, right. So, so yeah, I think about smoothies is a great way to get greens in. Um, and you know what else you can do that sounds really weird, but it actually works. Is I put sometimes some frozen cauliflower rice into the smoothie, and oh, it almost yeah. makes it be like ice. It makes it be thicker, and you can't even taste it. So. You know, I think it's being creative and just finding ways, throw veggies in with your eggs, throw it in your smoothie. When you have a salad, don't just do greens, you know, do leftover vegetables from the night before. Just be creative. Like lately I've been craving, um, I've been doing a lot of fennel, like slivered fennel mm -hmm. and slivered purple cabbage into my salad. Uh, just to think about the gut microbiome, which is so important for PCOS. And they're showing a huge link between um, an altered gut microbiome in PCOS. Um, I'm actually doing a lot of research on that right now. And just by eating more plant-based foods, you can dramatically improve your gut microbiome even within like 24 hours. So think about that. Um, oh, also, I, I'll just add um, another like health benefit of eating a lot of plant-based foods and vegetables is um, being able to increase your sex hormone binding globulin. And there was a, a study that I found, there were three, 33 women with uh, PCOS who had, um, where they were able to increase their sex hormone binding globulin, which actually really helps to um, decrease your testosterone um, and it will help uh, to kind of balance hormones. And uh, that's another benefit of plant-based food. That's awesome. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and just going back to like the overall health risks of more plant-based diets would be decreasing uh, hypertension, certain types of cancer. Um, they've also done uh, heart disease um, because the fiber in all these plant-based foods can lower cholesterol. And that's a lot of antioxidants, with, which helps with... Um, too much oxidation again, which people with PCOS have. So there are a lot of health benefits. So, you know, how can we get more plant-based foods in? So we've talked about the vegetables. Uh, fruit, you know, is easy, but I think a lot of 
people are kind of programmed that you shouldn't have fruit if you have PCOS. I know there's a lot of kind of myths floating on the internet. You should only have one fruit a day. I don't know where that came from, but it's out there. Um, no, you should not sit down and eat a pound of cherries, but you could certainly fit in a couple of servings of fruit a day. Uh, you could throw berries in your smoothie. You could throw some berries into your yogurt, whether it's plant-based yogurt or regular yogurt. You could uh, even put fruit in a salad. You could obviously snack on fruit. So there's a lot of things you can do just to get in a couple of servings of fruit a day. Um, and then nuts. I'm a huge fan of nuts and seeds for PCOS. Um, mm -hmm. They're a great snack. They're filling. Uh, they've done some studies on that it helping decrease risk of diabetes. It can lower cholesterol. It decreases inflammation. So I love to always go back to the drivers of PCOS with the insulin resistance, inflammation, and gut health and find foods that help with that. And nuts to me are definitely a superfood there. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you men mentioned seeds because I feel like they're often overlooked and a lot of women have nut allergies. So yes. seeds like pumpkin seed and hemp seed, you had mentioned chia, yeah. um, sunflower seeds. I, I always have bags. I, I get them at Trader Joe's or, or Costco of nuts and seeds and I put them in salads. I'm a big fan. You had talked about fennel. Um, and and cabbage. I make slaws all year round, and I put seeds in there or nuts, and um, I'll put different types of like fruit um, and other veggies in there. Yeah, and I'll use different flavored vinegars, um, to, like to create a dressing. And then the other thing that you can do with nuts and seeds at breakfast time, I, and I have a recipe in my book is like a seeded oatmeal. So in addition to the oats, you add lots of different seeds to it to add the fiber and the extra nutrients. Awesome. And that, that slaw sounds right at my alley. And I'm obsessed with flavor vinegars. I'm like loving right now fig vinegar. That sounds really good. Oh my gosh. There's, there's a great shop um, that I go to in the summertime up in Agunquit. Uh, Maine and they have it's called the sassy olive and they have the best vinegars so right now I'm using a cranberry pear oh. and there's a pumpkin um, spice vinegar that I love right now um, and yeah you can do so much and the other thing that they're really good for is roasting vegetables and you had mentioned putting different uh, vegetables on your salads, roasting vegetables and having with dinner, but then having leftovers for like your lunch salad to eat cold. And you can drizzle some of those like thick, flavorful balsamic vinegars just to drizzle over the roasted vegetables and they're really yummy. Oh, that sounds amazing. So that's a great way to add flavor um, without like too many calories or no fat. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of seeds, I'm a huge fan of seeds. It's funny because for some, sometimes you hear like some bad things about seeds, like they have too many omega-6s, you shouldn't eat them. And that's just not true at all. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many, there's so much nutrition in seeds and there's fiber and vitamins and minerals and seeds are great, all different kinds of seeds. In flax seeds, I'm sure. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Flax seeds are kind of a superfood for PCOS because there, there was a study that was done where they showed people who had it's kind of a lot of flax seeds. It might have been four tablespoons a day, which is a lot, but they were able to lower their um, testosterone levels and to help with hirsutism by having ground flax seeds. So that's a great one. And hemp seeds are really good because they're high in protein. They're the highest protein seed um, 
and if you're, especially if you're plant-based, it's a really good way to get in extra protein. So. Yeah, that uh, for a while, I'm, I haven't been doing it lately, but I would have like a little bag of hemp seeds in my purse when I would be caught off guard with low blood sugar. It was easy oh. just to kind of put a little handful of hemp seeds in my mouth. And, yeah, yeah. You know, if I'm driving around, it keeps me from going to the Dunkin' Donuts drive-through, right? And, yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> um, So yeah, that was that it, it would make it easy to kind of keep blood sugar balanced with just some hemp seeds in my purse. Right. And, and nuts and seeds are super portable. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you just stick them in your purse. And then when you're traveling around, you can grab them for a snack. Um, and what's kind of funny about, about nuts is they've done studies where I think it's like maybe 20% of the calories don't get absorbed when you eat like an ounce of almonds. And I think it's because you don't chew it to like a pulp. And I guess you have little chunks of almonds that don't get digested. So they're not even as high calorie as some people think, which is kind of interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, so we have more vegetables, more fruit, getting in nuts and seeds. Um, I'm also a fan of trying to get in some legumes, beans, and lentils, um, especially if you're very, you know, if you follow the plant-based diet, it is a source of protein. It has a ton of fiber and it actually has other health benefits. Um, of helping to decrease cholesterol because it's very high in soluble fiber. It has a kind of fiber in it that's really good for gut health. Um, it can help, it has a low glycemic effect, so you're not gonna get blood sugar and insulin spikes. Um, and it's very filling, so that's a great thing to do too. Um, yeah, I just was reading, um, I got probably about a month ago, Dr. Felice Gersh's new book on fertility. Oh, uh -huh. And she is recommending uh, a cup of beans a day. Now, oh. I don't know if I would jump right into that because um, I think the amount of fiber and it could upset some people. Scott's right. like, um, and I know you- Maybe if you live alone, it will be a good idea. Yeah, right, right. You need some digestive enzymes with those right. beans, but uh, but you're right, they're, they're just, they're, they're super healthy for you. Um, I like, I'm curious how you like to, you know, use beans or type of recipes. I know I'm a huge fan of bean dip, like hummus or, or um, I love making, especially at this time of year for like an appetite. Well, we're, we're recording this right before Christmas, although it probably won't go out for a couple months, but um, to bring an appetizer, I make like a white bean dip with garlic and rosemary and olive oil. And it's always such a hit. Um, I just think people don't really know how to properly prepare beans. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that sounds delicious. I like chilies. I'm like obsessed oh, yeah. with the chili, mm -hmm. or you can just do a vegetarian chili. You can make it yourself. And I'm a huge fan of having like batch cook cooking and having some leftovers. And that's something you can just like freeze and just pull up for a quick meal on another day. And you can throw in lots of other vegetables you can add to the recipe. So you're really getting a lot in there. Um, that's a good one. And, and I think too that uh, canned beans, you know, although they're very convenient, I don't think they taste as good as beans prepared like freshly, like where you soak the dried beans overnight yeah. and then you yeah. cook them either like in a pressure cooker or, you know, on the stove. I think they always like the, the texture is better. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I think, I think when possible to cook them yourselves, like not everybody's going to want to do that. But I, I, another concern I have with canned beans is that they are in a can and now we're talking endocrine disruptors. 
um, like not to freak everybody out with that, but you know, if you're eating too many canned foods, you are getting too much BPA, which we know is a big problem for PCOS. There, there is a company, there's at least one company called Eden, which does make canned beans without BPA in the lining. Um, but I would say when possible, cook yourself. But if you're just, if you just know you're not going to cook yourself, then get the can, just rinse them out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so other things, so other, I guess, nutrients of concern that I kind of like to say things that if you are fully plant-based, like what you would want to be careful with is uh, we did talk about protein. Now you should be able to meet your protein needs with some careful planning. Um, but you have to really sit down and just see, you know, what are you eating? Because if you're just doing like vegetables and whole grains and some nuts and seeds, you're probably not going to be meeting your protein needs. I kind of like people to aim for um, 25 to 30 grams per meal, if not more. And you can do it, but, but it is going to take some planning. So good sources of protein that are plant-based would be nuts and seeds and beans. Quinoa actually has a fair amount of protein. And then there's seitan, if you don't have issues with gluten. And then, of course, there's tofu, which we probably should talk about. Um, so those are great sources of protein. So you can definitely meet your needs if you're incorporating these foods. So this will probably be a good time to segue into, you know, what, what are my thoughts on soy, right? Because soy, you hear a lot online about soy is not good for PCOS. Um, the research has shown soy actually has benefits for PCOS, but I would caution you to try to get organic soy. So you're not going to get um, the pesticides, you're not going to get the GMO crops. And I would tell you not to do processed soy because too much processed soy, we just don't know the effect on PCOS because it's so concentrated. So processed soy would be in something like, you know, in some energy bars or some cereal. There's even like potato chip, or not potato chips, but chips out there. Whenever you look at a product that shouldn't have a lot of protein and it has like 20 grams of protein, chances are it's because they've added in uh, textured soy protein or hydrolyzed soy protein in there. So they, they bump the protein up. So I'm not a fan of like fake, fake soy, but real tofu, again, especially if it's organic, can have some health benefits for PCOS. Yeah. And I also, I agree with that, Martha. I, I mean, I think drinking soy milk, eating this, like the soy hot dogs and yeah, yeah. chicken, chickenless nuggets, that's not really how soy was intended to be eaten. Right. Right. Um, I, I think miso, which is like, or natto, which is a fermented soy product. I think that can be very helpful, especially for your gut. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about um, ed edadami? I think I would call edamame unprocessed. I'm fine with edamame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a little of that, like on a salad. Yeah, um, totally. It's yeah. a great snack too, because it takes a while to eat. You get them in the shell. Mm -hmm. um, I think edamame is great. And anytime you can get fermented soy, like you said, miso. Like lately, I'm loving miso. I'm making some recipes like miso glazed cod and miso ginger salad dressing, because miso is fermented. And studies have shown when you have fermented foods, uh, like kimchi and, and like miso, um, it has benefits for the gut, like you said. So huge, huge difference between a fermented soy product, um, an organic fermented soy product, and the kind of soy you get in fake chicken. Huge difference. So that's why we can't lump it together. 
Right, right. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. And, you know, miso is, it is such a nice um, ingredient to cook with. It, it's great to add to salad dressings um, and to soups. It has that, that rich, earthy kind of, what, what do they call that flavor? Unami? Yeah, uh, um, yeah unami. Un- yeah. I don't yeah. know if I'm saying it right, but it's like <laughs> a real like savory um, flavor that you would really only find with MSG, I think, products. Yes, um, yes, yes. Uh, but it does, it is, I would love like a miso glazed salmon. That sounds oh really God, so good. delicious. I made it for the first time, like last week, it was delicious. Mm. So... Um, yeah, that's a that's a good tip. The other thing that I'll do is, you know, make a miso like just a simple miso soup um, yeah. for the kids. Yeah. Yep. And I'll add. I know they're not gluten free, but the kids like them. Those little dumplings that from Trader oh. Joe's, the yeah. the chicken cilantro dumplings, and it makes a nice easy lunch. Yeah, easy is good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then so then the next nutrient of concern um, in a whole plant based diet would be calcium. And what I want to say is, you know, you don't have to drink milk. I know we were kind of brought up with the food pyramid as a dietitian years ago. I was always pushing cow's milk on people. I'm not anti-dairy for PCOS, but um, you do not have to get cow's milk to meet your calcium needs, but you should pay attention to the foods that you're eating to make sure you are getting in enough calcium. I usually suggest trying to get to close to a thousand milligrams and you can easily do that. There are so many good fortified non-dairy milks out there. Lots of good nut milks. There's cashew milk, there's almond milk. Um, There are other fortified products with calcium in it. You can get calcium from almonds, from chia seeds, and then from leafy greens. So just pay attention to if you're not doing regular yogurt that you're getting your calcium from other sources. Yeah, I remember reading somewhere that kale has more calcium per calorie or something than than milk. Um, yeah, leafy greens much, have a lot. Almonds yeah. have a lot, surprisingly. Mm. Um, they do for an ounce. I don't have the number in front of me. I think it's like 200 milligrams, so it's quite a bit. And the fortified non-dairy milks have a lot. I mean, granted, they are kind of like crushing up a calcium supplement and putting it in the milk for the most part. So it's not like natural calcium, but it still can help your bones. Mm-hmm. Um, like one glass of almond milk is about three or 400 milligrams of calcium, which is similar to cow's milk. So you can definitely meet your calcium needs mm-hmm. with... Um, without without real dairy so if you're struggling with infertility and you're on a vegan um like strict plant-based diet something that i've been uh like looking into and i've been reading from different hormone experts that sometimes you need the amino acids in animal food to help boost your fertility um just wondering if you have any thoughts on that. You know, for somebody who is trying to conceive, um, I my first choice is probably not a plant-based diet. But that being said, it can be done. You just would have to pay attention to supplementation. Like for example, choline. You know, if you're not eating eggs or animal products, you're not going to meet your choline needs. Um, you would be taking a prenatal, so you would be getting an extra iron and extra um, other B vitamins. I haven't heard about the amino acid profile. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but I don't think I can I can really answer that. Yeah. Together. Yeah. 
decide, you, you would definitely have to take a prenatal and prenatal. You would have to pay attention to um, your vitamin D, but everybody has to pay attention to vitamin D, whether you're plant-based or not. But, you know, iron could definitely be an issue. Um, choline for sure. Omega-3s because you're not eating fatty fish. But again, you would be taking your prenatal to get your EPA and DHA, mm-hmm. vitamin B12, which is a common deficiency in plant-based. And I'm assuming that would be in your prenatal. So yeah, you just have to pay special attention. Yeah. And I was going to mention B12 as well, because so many women uh, with PCOS are also on birth control pill and metformin. And both of those deplete vitamins, um, especially B vitamins. So, Oh, metformin does a number on your B12. Yes. Yes. You got to make sure you keep track, track of that. What I'm obsessed with, which is loaded with B12, is nutritional yeast. Ah, mm-hmm. um, when I first heard of the word nutritional yeast, I'm like, this sounds really disgusting. Like, there's no way. And I looked at it, it's just like yellow powdered stuff. I'm like, this is going to be so nasty. But as a dietitian, I have to try things. So I tried it, and now it's like, I love it. I put it on scrambled eggs, I put it on spinach. It tastes like, like, much better than Parmesan cheese. It has a bit of a cheesy taste, but it's really, really good. And it's packed with vitamin B12 and also is quite high in protein. You know, I that that is a great tip because I know so many women are avoiding dairy, whether it's, you know, make, for digestive issues or, um, you know, I, I know for me, it definitely is disruptive. Um, it causes a lot of acne for women. So nutritional yeast, and my my son is completely dairy free, and I've got to let him because he loves cheese. And I need oh. to let him know about that. So oh, that's a great, really like it. yeah, yeah. yeah I, I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been buying him the Violife cheese. Have oh you, yeah. That's uh, to me. That's the best tasting. Um, yeah, yeah. Vegan cheese, but yeah. Um. So a lot of a lot of good info in um, you know today's podcast about you know trying to integrate more plant based food into your diet and what to look for um, you know if you are plant based already and what nutrients you need to kind of just make sure that you're getting any other uh, you know last thoughts about plant-based diets for PCOS? Um, you know, when you visit with your doctor, just ha- make sure you ha- you're checked for nutritional deficiencies. Um, everybody should always be checked for vitamin D, but also B12 and iron. Um, pay, atten- pay special attention to calcium. Um, and, and don't depend on overly processed products, you know, like the fake chicken, make sure it's like natural organic soy. Uh, do a journal so you can kind of see where there may be shortcomings in your diet. You may also want to meet with a nutritionist who specializes in plant-based diets just to make sure you're doing the right thing because it is really important. Um, I think most importantly, it's to listen to how your body feels. Like mm-hmm. I've had people tell me, I went plant-based, I feel fantastic, my skin cleared up, I have so much energy, and I have other people who think they should do it and they're just not feeling well. They're hungry all the time, they're tired. You have to find what works for you. Yeah. And I also heard you say the importance of planning and I am finding um, more and more as coaching clients that that's when things really fall apart is the lack of planning. And I think that planning for a plant-based diet for PCOS, that has to be sort of like the number one thing because you can't just go out to dinner every night. Um, 
and probably be able to be within the parameters of protein and you know everything that you talked about. That's a really good point, Amy, and thanks for bringing that up. Um, I think it's even more important, like you said, for plant-based because if you're eating on the run and you want to, you know, you're going to grab a turkey sandwich, you can't do that. What, what are you going to grab? And usually on the run, you don't find really healthy, like little quinoa bean dishes. So you've got to plan your snacks with you. Um, you've got to plan the dinners. If you go out to dinner or order in plan, where are some places you can get, you know, healthy things from? That's really important. Mm. So Martha, tell us more about um, how we can find out more about your work. I know you have an exciting new book coming out very soon. Um, so, so tell us more. I do. Yeah. So you can uh, head on over to my website. It's MarthaMcKittrickNutrition.com. And I do have a PCOS blog on there where I have lots of free downloads. Um, you can get ideas for meal plans. You can get ideas for plant-based meal plans. I'm not a plant-based dietitian, but I do like to cater to everybody. You can get low carb, all different kinds of meal plans for free. I did a blog post on plant-based diets for PCOS. You can get all this information and more on my blog. Um, I also, I'm very active on Instagram. That's my main platform. And I am the PCOS dietitian with periods in between each word because there's a bunch of PCOS dietitians. So I'm the period PCOS period dietitian. And I do have an online group program for um, managing PCOS with nutrition and lifestyle strategies, which I run about two or three times a year. That's on my website. And um, email me if you have any questions. I'm also available for virtual coaching um, across the United States. Great. And you do have a great Instagram. I love when you go to Trader Joe's and you let us see, like, oh, yeah. take a sneak peek what's in your cart. Right, right, right. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for joining us again. And I hope that everybody enjoyed this podcast. And I look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at pcosdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.